Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Sharon, back together again. I know you've been with me all day, all day long. Today. Actually, your wife came in to bring us something. She did to bring eat. us lunch. We had 15 <laughs> minutes scheduled for lunch today, so. and she was so nice to bring <laughs> us lunch. Well, my husband is manning your booth. Yeah, so we're all helping each that's other. That's it. Out, so. That's it. Of course, he and Sarah are together now. Yeah. Well, they will be. They will yeah. be. Yeah, that's right. So we're still in the Windy City of Chicago at the annual meeting, and we're doing our marathon tapings here, and we we have access to such great people here, and we've got another one sitting in the room with us, right? And we get to do them in person, (laughs) which is so much better than over Zoom. Absolutely, absolutely. And we have with us today Jeff Darna. Welcome, Jeff. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be here. And Jeff, you're from California? I am from the great state of California, Los Angeles. Yeah, and current president of Canna. I am. I am the current sitting president. My uh, term expires the end of October. All right. Are you oh, looking forward to that? Or, on the uh, downhill? <laughs> I'm on the downhill, yeah. I'm, I'll be, uh, I'll be uh, exiting that role and handing it over to Dr. Bambachet in about 60 days or so, 65 yeah. days. So do y'all stay on the board as immediate past president? Some states do it, some states don't. No, we, we don't. We do have a post-presidency role in which we uh, are involved in leadership identification uh, for the Makes next sense. election. Yeah, well, you know so, everybody. Yeah, it gives you an opportunity. This role as, as president has really gotten me to shake a lot of hands, meet yeah. people across all over California. I mean, California is a big state. There's yeah, like 39 absolutely. million people there. Yeah, and how many CRNAs <coughs> do y'all have? Uh, just about 2,500. Okay, because yeah. yeah. y'all are MDA uh, heavy. We, we are MDA heavy. We've got a lot of, you know, you know, very desirable areas to live sure. in California yes, that attracts do. a lot of uh, physician anesthesiologists. Mm-hmm. But uh, yep. we are we're growing numbers there. Yeah. 
Good. Jeff, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, and uh, then we'll jump into this. Yeah, sure thing, Jeremy. Well, my name's Jeff Darna, and uh, I am the current, uh, as I said, the current president of the California Association of Nurse Anesthetists in my daytime job, but there's also a nighttime job, a weekend job, (laughs) a holiday job, is uh, serving as the program co-director at the University of Southern California, Fight on Trojans, USC, absolutely, yeah. Who are you? Who's your... My co-director is the incredible Dr. Elizabeth Bamboucher. Uh, and so a shout out to her. Oh, that's how you say her name because it looks like Bamboos or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Like you should say it's, it's quite difficult. I would and probably slaughter that one. Yeah, yeah well, you would have because yeah. I have all this time. I know her, but I just. There, there is a phonetic like way that. of saying it. You can break it down. Sometimes if you sing it, bamboucher, you know. Oh, <laughs> well, bamboucher. I can't see. There you go. There see, you I got, got it. it. Yeah, DJ Pierce never hands me the microphone <laughs> to karaoke. I'm just telling you. Uh, well, we're going to be talking about today something that I find very, very interesting. And, I knew you um, would. That is the imposter phenomenon. And we're going to be talking about dealing with CRNAs, but, you know, this happens in a lot of places where you have high achievers. 100%. Um, And and I'll let you introduce the topic here, and then uh, we'll we'll kind of get started. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jeremy, let me me start off with a a definition of what imposter phenomenon is, because I think it's important for the listeners to understand what that operational definition is. Um, First of all, the term was coined in 1978 by two two researchers. We can get into that in just a Mm -hmm. little bit. But the concept of the phenomenon has evolved over the last 45 years. And so the definition that we applied in 1978 when the term was coined is different than we would apply, uh, apply it in current day, in 2022, 2023. But essentially the definition is that it is a self-perception of intellectual phoniness and professional ineptitude that's frequently... Uh, despite clear evidence of success that's often experienced by high-achieving individuals uh, that results in avoidance behavior, professional underdevelopment, and at times psychological distress. So people with imposter phenomenon tend to feel like a fake. They feel like a fraud, that they didn't uh, achieve their success through their own merit, despite a, a trail of evidence supporting that they uh, are successful. Did, right. What's that? Uh, that they are successful. And they are successful. They're, they're quite successful. They discount praise. They don't like being evaluated, hmm. right? And it's like, I don't really deserve that. No, I'm not really as smart as you think I am. I'm not really as capable clinically as you think I am. Hmm. And they attribute uh, most of their success to uh, perhaps an error, luck, chance, or some type of misjudgment by another individual. Hmm. Well, I think celebrities, uh, we hear tell of all these celebrities that I think have the, have this because why am I the one that makes $10 million in a movie? Yeah. Which I have the same question. but <laughs> That's a fair question. We should allow that. Um, I know that's not what we're talking about today, but uh, I'll allow the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when we talk about celebrities, um, there have been many uh, who have brought this to this uh important uh, construct to uh, the conversation, both professionally, but also in the classroom, but um, in, in our homes. We look at people like Michelle Obama, who is, um, had um, uh, claims to have imposter phenomenon, um, but other people, uh, historical figures, Neil Armstrong being one of them. Another one is uh, the poet uh, Maya Angelou, 
had imposter phenomenon. So it's quite pervasive in in our culture. So what triggers this? I mean, what what are some yeah. of the triggers? Great question, great question. So when we look at imposter phenomenon, we have to break it down to these antecedents, these risk factors, right? Mm-hmm. And what we know from the literature is that your personality type could contribute to IP development or imposter phenomenon development, uh, knowing that there are five big personality types, conscientiousness, neuroticism, uh, perfectionism. Some of those can be maladaptive and uh, certainly heighten the risk for developing those IP feelings. Other things that uh, may be how you were, uh, where you were born and how you were raised. Perhaps you received messaging growing up from your, whoever was raising you, whether it's your parents or somebody else, about the importance of education or perhaps not pursuing education. Perhaps you grew up in a family where there was competition with your siblings and there was more emphasis on the other individual than yourself. Perhaps gender disparity between messaging um, that, uh, societal messaging that uh, perhaps um, girls may have received compared to compared to boys. Um, For example, um, it's incorrect, but you know, the uh, old saying or belief that girls are no good at math. Clearly not true Ah, at all, right? right? Right. But that messaging has a huge effect. Let's kind of pivot if we can to professional context. What we know is that imposter phenomenon tends to present more in younger persons at and at junctions or professional uh, changes in their career, right? You're transitioning from your training into a clinical environment that is peer-reviewed, and now you are engaging in spotlight activity. Mm -hmm. And that spotlight activity uh, puts you under the microscope and means that you are going to be evaluated. One other point that I think is important that needs to be fleshed out a little bit, let's consider societal messaging. Let's say that we are in a profession that might compete with another profession (laughs) for the same job, with the same outcomes, and Mm. so forth. Sounds familiar. Sounds very familiar. (laughs) I think we've been down this road before. And when when we uh, look at that uh, other profession, do we receive, does one profession receive negative messaging about their Mm. capabilities, Mm. about their impact in healthcare, the value that they bring? Mm. That messaging, if it's negative, certainly can have an influence on how that individual who is susceptible to IP might perform or might develop or uh, present with some of those uh, particular symptoms. Hmm. That's very interesting. (laughs) So how is it diagnosed? Uh, Great question. Great question. Well, first of all, before we get to the exact diagnosis, I want to just point out that uh, imposter phenomenon, despite years of research, 45 years of research, 350 research studies is still not an official psychological disorder. It's not going to be in the DSM-5. Hmm. You're not going to find an ICD-10 or ICD-11 code for that. What we, we There's no practice guidelines at wow. all. Um, hmm. What we do know about imposter phenomenon, it is an evolving multidimensional construct, keeping in mind what a construct is, something that's created by humans, that is very conceptual, and that is very subjective. And so, therefore, that abstractness of what IP actually is makes it difficult to form an official diagnosis. Hmm. But let's talk about instruments or tools out there to diagnose 
imposter phenomenon. There's about seven different ones, but by um, the most common is the Clance imposter phenomenon scale that was developed by one of the original psychology researchers uh, who coined the term in 1978. Uh, it is a 20-item psychometric self-administered test uh, assessment um, that uses a five-point Likert scale that can accurately detect the presence and the intensity of imposter phenomenon. Wow. Yeah. Very easy to self-administer. Oh, wow. can we find this online? I just Googled it. <laughs> did you? I did. I just looked it up. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Google will tell you everything. Yeah, 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 got it right here. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com or call him at 504-394-6557. How does this normally present? I mean, you know, because if, if somebody has this, how would they know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's very pervasive and people walk around not knowing that they actually have it. Right. So um, some of the things that they may see, uh, we may see in terms of attributes is the people who are most susceptible to it are tend to be perfectionists. Mm. They tend to be the... CRNAs w- are not that, are they? Not <laughs> at all. I guess they don't qualify. <laughs> they tend to be perfectionists. They tend to be the one, the one that's the best in the room, a desire to be the best, right? Mm. But they also have this incredible fear of failure, right? An irrational fear of or failure. Or you can't fail. What if you're in a profession you can't fail? That's right, right? And so there's a spotlight activity that's being thrust on them. It produces depression, anxiety, but also this irrational fear that you were going to be discovered as an intellectual fraud, a phony. And (laughs) you are so worried that someone is going to discover you at any moment. It's a ton of pressure internally. It's a lot of pressure, and a lot of this is, it's a cycle, right? And it's a vicious cycle that keeps on feeding back in. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Now, are there different levels of intensity with this? I would imagine that there are. Yeah, yeah, great question. So if we look at the Clance imposter phenomenon scale, like I said, that's the most frequently used instrument uh, to diagnose and gauge the the level of intensity uh there are four different levels there are people who walk around with very few maybe episodic um bouts of imposter phenomenon don't you think we all have that sometimes well part of it may be natural right i think that i mean i'm with you know the fab four my girlfriends tracy carol and jackie rolls tracy castleman from new jersey carol doisher from minnesota and you know we're all really close we travel together we've been friends for 20 years well i have imposter syndrome whenever i sit with the three of them because they are all smarter than i am <laughs> and i'm like oh my god 
Yeah. How are these people my friends? <laughs> They're so awesome. <laughs> well, Dr. Pierce, just remember you are you and I are both Yale graduates. <laughs> and 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 but like I my can't read my degree. <laughs> it's in, in Latin. Latin. Mine's in Latin too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's yeah we'll figure them out later. I can phonetically hum it. Um, uh, but yeah, but you know, um, when you're with other individuals, the, you know that may precipitate some of those IP mm. feelings. You know mm-hmm. that feeling of intimidation. I think that's natural for everybody. Sure, that's mm. natural for what we're talking about is that next level. We're talking about that level where it starts to impede your professional development. Okay, mm. right. Well, we're good. Ta- I feel better now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was sick. Right. <laughs> It might be to the intensity gets to the point where you prefer as a CRNA maybe to only work in an anesthesia care team model and insulate yourself, acquiesce Mm. important Mm. clinical skills to perhaps a supervising Mm. anesthesiologist. No, Dr. X, you go ahead and do the central line. You can have it this time. I, I, I don't need to. I'll just do the intubation, right? Perhaps they're not seeking leadership opportunities. Perhaps they're staying in the operating room behind the curtain their entire career, leading to mm. professional suboptimization. Well, that's a tactful way of putting it. <laughs> Leadership suboptimization. <laughs> I would imagine, and I'm just kind of thinking, I would imagine that most CRNAs that are active in the association wouldn't have this as a problem. I mean, that would be my surmise. Well, I, but ju- I don't you know. Would be, I think you would be wrong. Really? I, I know you're wrong. Hmm. I don't have it. But <laughs> I, know, I do know of CRNAs in leadership that felt like the membership elected them and they, they, they can't believe that they were elected. Interesting. And that any, any minute whoever those elected leaders are, mm-hmm. feel that they are going to be discovered as a phony, as yes. a fraud, and they carry that on their shoulders. Yes. Really? So so it is prevalent in, in folks like that. Then. Yeah. I will say that I just finished presenting on this topic uh, about a, you know, 30, 40 minutes ago, yeah. and I did an uh, interactive um, session with uh, the audience, and... Uh, of individuals uh, scored it uh, uh, frequent to intense imposter feelings. Now, in that room. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's quite pervasive, quite prevalent in our our community. Just as long as you don't let it hinder your performance at at that level. And the people that I've seen that were self-professed, it didn't hinder their performance. And actually, I think in some cases... It spurred them on. They intellectually uh, went through the exercise, and it made them overachieve. Now, am I seeing yeah. something that's not there? Help well, me out here. actually, what you're talking about is actually part of that cycle, because what it is is when somebody has uh, imposter phenomenon feelings, right, and they are presented with some type of spotlight activity. Now they may have ascended to a leadership position or maybe it's in the operating room and they're asked to perform something. Um, they over-prepare. 
one one way is that they over prepare and they ah. do such a mm. job with that mm-hmm. um, instead of turning in uh, as the example that I use a, a 10 page paper assignment they've turned in a 30 page paper assignment right they have kitchen synced it and over prepared uh. and when you turn to them and say boy you know what you did an awesome job Jeremy you're like no 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 Jeff no that's I, I'm, I'm really not deserving of that uh. thanks but no no I just got lucky on this one uh. that's one way in which they respond huh. to it the second way is they procrastinate and hmm. you know why they procrastinate because they are so afraid of that spotlight activity it produces such angst within them that they delay engaging in that activity until the very last minute and they cram and they rush through the job but you know what they're so competent they're so capable they do an awesome job at it (laughs) now you offer them praise with that and they still reject it wow right wow so Hmm. how do you treat it oh it's a great question it's a great question you know we don't have good evidence-based treatment for it most of the recommendations believe it or not come from the seminal work of Clarence and Imes back in 1978, who were, by the way, were researchers, but also psychotherapists. So they knew a little Mm -hmm. something about this as they were developing, and they helped 150 women shepherd through this. Um, But one of the first things that you can do is you need to name it. That's the first thing. You got to recognize that you have it, right? And know what some of your triggers are, right? Uh, Understand what's going on in your head, and how you are um, susceptible to it. The second thing you need to do is you need to seek mentorship. I mean, we all should have mentors, and I think we've all had mentors in our life, and everybody deserves a mentor that's going to be truthful, transparent, and objective with them, and that can be very helpful. Next is you got to realize you're a human being. You're going to make mistakes. No one is perfect. No one is perfect. You can't know everything. In terms of learning, look, I have a PhD, a DNP, I'm a CRNA, and a acute care nurse practitioner, and yes, I've got another graduate degree in biology. And what I don't know about anesthesia could fill the country of Brazil. (laughs) No matter how much I learn, there's always something more. But you know why I can't know everything? Because I'm a human being. Right. I'm not a computer. computer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? That's okay. And then you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Now, um, the last thing I'd say is, which is probably the hardest thing to do, is you need to get out of your own head, mm-hmm. right? Stop the negative messaging. Now, it's easy for someone to say, very hard to do. I think all of us have been in that situation where we start talking to ourselves and we get into that vicious cycle, mm-hmm. right? Oh, absolutely. Right? That record in your head. Yeah, yeah. It keeps playing over and over and, and gets you up in the middle of the night. Hmm. Exactly. <laughs> That one. Yeah. Pull the plug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're right. It is hard. I know, like, you know, if I get something in my head, you know, I'll go to bed. I'll be thinking about it. I'll wake up. I'm thinking about mm-hmm. it, you know. And, and you know you've thought about it all night long. So Even it just you were sleeping. It just precipitates that continuation of that in your head. And it's, it's hard. The head's a confusing place. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> With all those voices you have going on in there, That's I'm sure right. it is. That's right. <laughs> multiple times, multiple voices at once. <laughs> so are there other conditions that correlate with this as well? Yeah. So there's been a lot of research in looking at um, burnout mm-hmm. uh, with imposter phenomenon, right? You know, that might be an element. Um, we look at anxiety, trait and state anxiety, depression, 
think about psychological distress. And in some of the darker outcomes, there has been suggestions that suicidal ideation might be a possibility in individuals with intense IP who can't escape their own situation and, and seek uh, appropriate treatment for. Um, we also look at other things, too, other constructs out there in terms of perceived racism, identity as an individual, um, uh, and, and certainly those are, uh, have high correlates uh, with uh, IP data across all sectors and all populations. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. So CRNAs as perfectionists, would CRNAs be at risk for this? Oh, I think that's a great question, Sharon. Let's go through the list. They're highly intelligent. They're high achievers, right? Smartest people I know. Smartest people I know as well. Absolutely. They're highly educated. They receive advanced training. They work in a peer-reviewed uh, industry, mm. right? They're evaluated on their outcomes. And yes, at times, they may be subject to certain interprofessional messaging. So I think we get a big old check in that box. Do we know how prevalent it is? So I, 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 I was the principal investigator for a national study um, to look at how prevalent this was. And so what we're seeing right now in the sample that I worked with, which I will say, in, in fairness, was non-representational of CRNAs um, across the country. So I can't really generalize these, these findings. Um, but 56% in the sample of CRNAs that I researched. And so that's 56%. pretty significant. 56, 5, 6. <laughs> Jeremy wow. and I are just looking at each that other. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. In 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 the session that I just finished, where we did, it was a convenience sampling. Sure. So it was people in the audience who completed the same instrument. It was eighty percent plus had frequent to severe IP in that room. Well, they probably came to your talk because they recognized they had and imposter that's correct. syndrome. And that's true. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah. 100% they identified Selected, with it. Yeah. 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 Which is also kind of interesting because that national study that I did, more men enrolled in my as a participant in my study than women. In fact, the demographics switched just the opposite. Normally, we have slightly more women in our profession than men. Right. But it was the exact opposite in the uh, in the research that I did, uh, more men were interested and participated in the study. And was there something that men have heard now in the mainstream media about imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon that resonated with them and said, I think I need to check this out? Hmm. Wow. Well, you know, I mean, you said there wasn't a lot of research done at this point on how to treat this. Yeah. So... If someone says they take the Clance test and they online and they say, you know, the 20, you know, I just didn't do that well. Maybe I have this. What do they do? Well, again, I think that um, this is where we turn. This is the next great research question, right? What do we do when we identify CRNAs with IP? Yeah. Right? How are we identifying CRNAs as a profession who might have IP? What are we doing in our programs of study? 
our curriculum. What are we doing in our departments of anesthesiology to have this important conversation? And what are we doing from, you know, from um, the leadership within healthcare organizations uh, to optimize your healthcare workforce who might be susceptible to this? So the right. first thing is having that conversation, identifying it and having that conversation, right? And then thinking out why are we having these bouts of IP? Are we seeing some other types of association with other types of conditions? Are we preparing those graduates for the transition to practice in a way that they can anticipate or identify this and start to say, wait a minute, here's something that I'm starting to feel. I need to start, stop thinking this, and I need to start adopting healthier management strategies that, number one, I am well-educated. I am, a, you know, a smart individual. I got here on my own merit. No one gave me the degree. No one took that NCE test for me. I did it on my own. I yep. assimilated the knowledge. I learned how to intubate. I learned how to put that central line in. I'm the one that did all of that. Mm -hmm. They've got to recognize their accolades and their successes. All right. Well, the question's got to be asked. Why did you do all of this research on imposter syndrome? Was it, uh, give us the real story. The real story, the real story is professionally all my life, I had, you know, went from degree to degree to degree. And mm -hmm. I never thought that I was deserving of any of those uh. particular degrees. And I didn't know anything about imposter phenomenon at all. Until four or five years ago, I stumbled across an article. And I'm like, what is this imposter? And it was <laughs> syndrome. It may have been a, a yep. mainstream article. And there was something in there that resonated. And I said, this is it. This is exactly why I'm, I've, you know, been you know, pursuing degree after degree, or I'm constantly having this self-doubt, or I feel completely unintelligent compared to other individuals, or as a fraud, a phony. Yeah. Uh, so it was a little self-discovery in myself, mm -hmm. and, uh, you I know. I think that's what Sharon was getting at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I took the winded way of 50, explaining uh, that. 56%. That, that is just amazing to me. Well, I, I think, mean. again, well, I think we could all all have it uh, at sometimes. Jeremy had a uh, watershed moment that he shared with me, and I, 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 was, I was shocked. And he's going to stab me in a minute here but whenever we first talked about starting the podcast and doing this I mean it never crossed my mind that Jeremy would ever have any doubt about doing this uh, with me at all but why don't you tell your story instead of me? I'm not telling it. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> he just said he didn't. He didn't know if he would be able to uh, keep up because a lot of you know a lot of the topics are CRNA centric. Now you know we don't do a lot of clinical stuff, but um, around the politics and everything. And Jeremy's never had a problem with keeping up. Now <laughs> I do recognize one thing that he does that you just talked about is he will do a ton of research before we come into these podcasts. And I guess that's his his way 
of, uh, of but I, I can throw him in with anybody anytime anywhere and just say okay we've got four people coming in here in just a minute I saw this lecture and I think it'll be a great podcast and you don't know any of these people and they're going to come in here in five minutes and we're going to tape a podcast yeah. that w- that might have happened actually. it, it could have <laughs> just happened and he he does a fantastic uh. job so to me because I've known Jeremy for over 20 some years it never crossed my mind that that would be in his mind yeah. yeah. Well, it's, you know, in this, it's, and I tell folks, you know, I can talk all day long about what I do. And I, I really have to get up sometimes to do these podcasts with CRNAs because this is not what I do every day. This right. is what you guys do every yeah. day. So for me, it takes a little more effort for me to, to, to talk the terminology and to speak to speak and to understand yeah. what is being said. You know, this isn't, I mean, you know, this stuff is easy because, you know, I enjoy this stuff. But but if we start talking about things, you know, clinically related. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it gets a little hairy for me. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think it. if I brought you in, it's like we had folks in today. And we're talking about the financial stuff and Sharon gets really quiet, you know. Um, kind of the same thing, you know, and for me we do a financial episode what every five episodes or something maybe maybe less than that but um and those are the ones i really thrive off of Mm -hmm. you know but you know even when you were coming in you know i did a little research on you to try to figure out who you were and what was going on and you know and i don't do a lot i just want to make sure i understand who's sitting in front of me so um but yeah that's that's true that is true now I've told your story. But now, 200 episodes later, I think uh, I think we're pretty good at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, all right. Anything else as we kind of wrap up? Is there anything that the profession can do to... Yeah. To sort of help with this. I yeah. mean, because, well, you know, we do, we do what EI stuff. I mean, uh, you know, this just seems to kind of go along with emotional intelligence as well. Well, uh, you know, yeah. and, and again, looking at, I think what you're getting at is there needs to be more research. Yeah. Right. And I think that what I'm really excited about is the next arm of my research is really going to be focusing more on our, uh, our learners and helping identify this phenomenon within them in following them maybe longitudinally see when when does this start to drop off Ooh. now typically as you get a little bit older you know ip starts to be less prevalent but we don't really know <laughs> when uh, when that occurs like that, is that because you don't give a yeah <laughs> right <laughs> i think there's something to that Double i just cannot help but laugh <laughs> <laughs> the numbers uh, that end with zero uh, in uh, your birthdays definitely change your perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Too. <laughs> All right. Well, if anything you want to conclude on outside of that? Well, I'm, I, you know, I'm really excited that we've started this conversation. And I'm really happy with uh, that our professional organization is taking this seriously, as with all wellness and policy developments and so forth, because I think that there's a lot to this, a lot of dimensionality. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where the future goes with us and uh, how we can best optimize our workforce. 
Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you. Thank you for being here today. And this was your first podcast, and you yeah, did an amazing job. You did great. You did great. And, and thanks for what you do for the CRNA community and all the CRNAs in California and all the CRNAs here that will listen to this. I mean, we really appreciate it. Oh, well, you're most welcome. Thank you so much for the invitation. I appreciate it. Sharon, I think it's a wrap. I think so. Well, if they like our show and want to know more, what can they do to help us grow, Sharon? Well, the best way to help us grow is to leave us a review, but make it positive. We know there's enough negativity in this world. Absolutely, there is. We're in the top 50 medical podcasts in the country on the way to number... Number one. We're already number one in the CRNA community, and we want to thank our listeners for putting us there. Absolutely. We wouldn't be there without them. That's right. Exactly. So I guess it's a wrap. Until next time. <laughs> We're on our way to the exhibit hall right now. That's right. we got a little meet and greet to do. Yeah. As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. 
Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.